Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, Serial fan. A long time ago, they used to be friends. But Conte and Juve didn't seem friendly at all in the Coppa semi-final this week. A verbal volley and middle finger salute as Juve progressed to the final against Atalanta. We discuss all the Coppa Italia action, plus the latest developments in Serie A, and look ahead to the weekend games in this episode of Scudetto. Hi everyone and welcome to Scudetto. It's uh, good to be back in the virtual studio. Sorry to miss you all last week. I was um, just feeling a bit under the weather. Can't be too careful in these times. Um, contrary to what Boas would have you believe, I did not lick a lamppost. Just uh, just picked up a cold. Um, and anyway, I was having a listen to how you two guys got on last week and dismayed to find that, Kenny, you did a very professional job in the hot seat. So you've given me a lot to, uh, lot to live up to on my return. I just quite enjoyed not having to do my research, really. Yeah, that is... That is one of the perks. Just, um, put it all on Boaz. It was shades of uh, Inter at the new Camp, down to 10 men, but a, glor- a glorious win in the end. Very good. Very good analogy. Right, well, I'm back on the beers this week. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've got one I've had before, actually. It's the, the uh, Saimar California IPA. Just uh, getting back into the swing of things, wanted something solid to, to kick me off. Um, what have you got to share with us, Kenneth? Uh, I've got myself a Stuart Brewing Company First World Problems Belgian IPA. Uh, I got it because I kind of miss First World Problems because it seems like all the world has the same problems right now. So on that note, uh, yeah, it's it's quite a strong one, 6.2%. Good stuff. I heard you had the First World Problem of uh, having a slight smattering of snow in Scotland this week. We had about a foot of snow. So I guess for you in Finland, that's probably like... (laughs) spring weather but uh yeah quite a lot quite a lot it's been fun still though. got a couple of meters here uh how about you Baz? what have you got to drink this evening? any snow any snow in israel uh, unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately actually as it happens no um i'm drinking a brew dog punk ipa i'm not gonna bore you with the story of how i got it or why still waiting on those 70 beers i ordered a few weeks ago <laughs> that's that good continues problem. very good my first world problems is my beers haven't arrived He's just jumping in with a review of the first set, Kenny. I was just jumping in with my first takes because we're not really doing the reviews halfway through now, are we? It's very good. It's it's quite strong, but fruity and hoppy. Nice. Fantastic news. And speaking of fruity, maybe we just just jump straight into the uh, Coppa Italia <laughs> <laughs> because the Italian media has been speaking of almost nothing else. It's just. I mean, this this was just marvellous, really, wasn't it, Kenny? I mean, the first I was aware of it was Conte, who appeared to be flipping the bird to the uh, Juve director's box at halftime of the, the Coppa Italia tie. But I understand things had um, started well, somewhat before that. What, what provoked this action from Conte? And just 
walk us through it. I know you've been looking into this in some detail. Yeah, so a, a boring nil-nil draw. Um, <laughs> uh, there are two versions of, of the, the, the story, actually. There, there's the Juve version and the Inter version. Uh, I'll start with the, the, the Juventus version, which is basically that Conte didn't like a decision by the referee not to award Lautaro a penalty when he basically kicked fresh air uh, and a, a little bit of Bernardeschi's boot uh, and a bit, a bit of the turf. And Conte, apparently, according to Juventus, Conte thought that Inter deserved a penalty for this and lost completely lost control. And it all developed from there, apparently. And yes, Conte, from the Juventus point of view, turned around and flipped the bird to the <laughs> Juventus director's box. I mean, that's not under dispute anymore, is it? Well, I mean, at that point it was because <laughs> Conte was interviewed after the game and he completely flat out denied that that had happened. He said, well, maybe the Juventus, want, Juventus directors want to pay a little bit of consideration to the truth. And by the way, can I just state that it's very important to remain polite at all times. And a couple of hours after this, Juventus apparently, someone leaked, apparently Juventus leaked video footage of Conte giving the finger to uh, to Agnelli, which is, I mean, hilarious. Um, according to Juventus, this happened twice. This happened again afterwards. The the Inter version of events is that from the first minute onwards, uh, Juventus directors were hurling abuse at Conte, which <laughs> is also a very funny version of stories. The idea that the directors people, yeah, sat there in suits in an empty stadium calling him all sorts of things under the sun. A, a, a part that I particularly enjoy, and I guess this is going to, we can't, we probably can't bleep this out, so this is probably going to give us an explicit tag, is that apparently Agnelli turned around to Conte and said, take that finger and stick it up your ass, prick. Uh, which, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's hilarious. It's amazing. But yeah, it probably doesn't paint the Italian league in the, or the Italian Cup in this instance, in the in the best light, but very entertaining for neutral observers, I think. I was going to read out the reaction comment from our friends on Twitter at the uh, Real Don Agnelli account, but actually what Agnelli said is kind of <laughs> just even worse than the parody. I'm not sure yeah, if it's I mean, worth it. There was so much more to this story as well. Bonucci apparently going over and telling the fourth official when Conte was complaining that he had to, you know, have some self-respect, basically, and uh, not let himself be spoken to that way by Conte, who's complaining. There's uh, two directors in the changing rooms afterwards telling each other, from from what I can make out, Paratici turning around to Oriali uh, and saying to him, you better shut up at this point because this is going to be the time that I finally punch you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> glorious. It's just all out. Turned into an all-out turf war. I was going to say, I've heard some people say that, you know, they're really disappointed in how these kind of middle-aged businessmen are conducting themselves. It reflects <laughs> badly on the league. I mean, it's just hilarious, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, yes. Obviously, yeah. I have a, a slight conspiracy theory that, that this coincides with the Serie A TV rights going going on sale and also Inter being up for sale. So, you know, maybe there's some clever PR at work. Well, Conte's seen his old mate, Jose Mourinho, on the Amazon Prime documentary. He's like, I have some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Well, obviously, uh, Juve won or they 
they go through um, over the two legs. It's interesting because we haven't mentioned the match almost at all. And all, this, <laughs> all these fireworks off the pitch have, have served us well because the game itself was a little bit boring. Inter were toothless and uh, possibly Juventus defense came out on top, but really uh, Allegri set out with a very... Um, Allegri. Uh, sorry, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting slip of the tongue because uh, Pirlo set out in a very Allegri way, as was mentioned a lot in Italy, and um, it seemed very pragmatic, very conservative, but it did the job and Inter were frustrated. Yeah, I think it's an interesting development. Pirlo, early on in the season, we were seeing how he appears to be this like high press, exciting uh, manager, and that was uh, it was quite nice to watch. But uh, ultimately, it was uh, the, there wasn't that much consistency. But now, in recent weeks, he just appears to be kind of grinding out the results. And not to say that Allegri played Catenaccio or anything, but um, in a more sort of pragmatic uh, manner. And maybe we're seeing a very, very fast evolution in his uh, management style. It's not pretty, but it gets the job done. Yeah, I was going to say Demiral and Delete starting to looking starting to look very solid at the back, and probably. The future of that defense. Yes, yeah, so obviously they go into the final and they will face Atalanta, who beat Napoli in the other semi-final. Um, do we want to talk about that? We do, I think. Uh, talking about inconsistency, Atalanta have been inconsistent uh, recently. I think we're kind of seeing the strains on their squad. Um, perhaps that bulk up job hasn't gone quite as smoothly as they would as they would have liked. Uh, but Atalanta absolutely dominated the first half. They might only really have had two clear chances, but undoubtedly were commanding in uh, in midfield and didn't really give up uh, any opportunities. Napoli, on the other hand, made made some changes at half time. Looked a lot better in the in the second half. Got what has to be said was a, a bit of a scrappy goal. But then Atalanta did what they didn't do at the weekend, which was uh, just go straight down the other end and kill the game off. Um, so, yeah, a, a great return to form. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think much needed for, for Atalanta. I think they're probably a bit fed up of being this like attractive side that everyone heaps praise on, but not having any silverware to show for it. So that's, I think, what they're going to be going for. And if we want to talk about Napoli a little bit, um, we mentioned it in the last episode, but Gattuso continues to risk his job. Apparently, um, the relationship with De Laurentiis is really deteriorated. Um, it has to be said that Osimen, who was back for this game, is looking really off the pace. Uh, I guess that's what three months off will do to you. And um, now that they're missing their centre-back pairing of Koulibaly and Manolas, one through uh, COVID and one via injury. It has to be said that uh, Rahmani and uh, Maximovic, who are the on paper, they're the reserves. But it's it's an, it's like comparing a um, it's like comparing a pro team with something that with someone who's an impersonator. Let's be honest. And interesting, you mentioned De Laurentiis because apparently at halftime he felt like he'd seen enough and uh, left the, at the very least left the stands. So. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting Interesting times there. Um, I guess we'll see what happens at the weekend. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, they've got Juventus this weekend and Gattuso's job could be under pressure. Buzz, what should we expect from Napoli this weekend? Well, as you said, it's uh, kind of a last chance saloon for Gattuso. And uh, it's interesting because when Napoli were due to play Juve earlier in the season, 
we were all kind of thinking that Napoli were in the ascendancy and that they very likely get a, a result in Turin. But now the the tables have turned completely and I'd say Juventus is strong favourites for this game. It has to be mentioned that uh, Juventus have not conceded a goal in the last three Serie A matches, which is their longest streak since December 2018, under Max Allegri, of course. And uh, Napoli are on this really weird streak where they've um, only drawn one game in their last 25 games, which was in, the, in Turin in December. So kind of a odd clash of um, statistics. And as I said, I think Juventus are slight favourites here, but uh, don't uh, underestimate Napoli's pride. And one last thing is that uh, this will be the first time ever that uh, a game is pl- the return leg of a game is played before the first leg of a game in Serie A. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've said before it was that that game was going to be pivotal. I think probably uh, could be pivotal in a, a different direction than than we were maybe expecting. Probably more important now for Juventus. Anyway, we should talk about uh, the other big game this weekend, which is Inter Lazio. What, what do we make of Inter's chances in this one? Uh, and, what's, and more importantly, perhaps, which Conte should we expect? Are we going to get happy Conte? Angry Conte? Yeah, this is going to be... I mean, this is arguably uh, a bigger match than, than Juve Napoli, really, because Lazio have been absolutely irresistible uh, in in recent weeks. Uh, I mean, yeah, they really seem to have hit the, the form that they were on before lockdown last season. Uh, Inter as well. I mean, they might have just gone out of Coppa Italia. They might have all sorts of uh, all sorts of PR messes going on at the moment. But the 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 fact remains that in Serie A they've been great since the turn of the year. Really, uh, really, really keeping the pressure on Milan. So I guess this is this is the point where we find out if uh, if Lazio are really going to push themselves into that into that top four and perhaps even start pulling away from the the. The teams such as Atalanta and their city rivals Roma, or you know whether this is the point where that run of form comes to comes to an end. I think it's uh, I, I think it's too too close to call really. Uh, on form, I would say, given what I've actually seen on the field, probably I would expect uh, Lazio to perhaps even nick a surprise here. But uh, Inter do really really seem to have found a way to win. Uh, under under Conte, which uh, in the last month or so, which um, they hadn't perhaps displayed in the the last eighteen months, when you when you consider the the Europa Cup defeat, when you consider the fact that they were in contention for Serie A last season, perhaps we saw an indication that that mental fragility is still there in uh, Coppa Italia, uh, but um, I I don't know. It's very very difficult to call. Uh, if I had to. Uh, I would probably say uh, edging between a draw and uh, Lazio throwing a spanner in the title title race. And if you guys remember, the first leg of this game was particularly tasty with uh, Stefano Sensi and Ciro Immobile getting sent off. I'm I'm sure they might remember that. And uh, it was a draw. So and this time around, a draw will probably be the worst result for both teams particularly with uh, Inter chasing Milan just two points behind and Lazio doing everything they can to beat their city rivals to get into that uh, final Champions League spot. Yeah, good chance for Milan to, to pull ahead, though. When we looked at the fixtures list three or four weeks ago, we, we were expecting Milan to possibly have slightly more difficult run and, um, yeah, chance for Milan to pull ahead with their games against Spezia this weekend. Yeah, and I guess this is where uh, what we discussed when Inter got into the the semi-final of Coppa Italia comes into play. They've obviously had 
back-to-back weeks where they've had two games uh, in in each in each week. Lazio won't have done or haven't done. And on the on the flip side of that, Milan have uh, Milan are in the same situation. They've not had the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia to contend with, but they've obviously got the the Europa League games coming up. So. This whole theory of uh, Inter are out of Europe, it could play into their favour. Perhaps over the next month, we'll see that there is an opportunity for Milan to pull away a little bit. Um, if, if Milan do go on a bit of a run in the Europa League, then perhaps we can see like a gap building up now in the next sort of few weeks to a month, uh, and perhaps that closing down. But I mean, football never works that way, does it? So um, that will probably be rubbished by uh, a couple of weeks from now. And it, it doesn't always, I mean, it's a little bit early in the season to start uh, looking at fixtures and stuff, and I'm possibly getting ahead of myself. But if you consider that uh, Inter will play Juve and Milan will play Atalanta in the final two, de- in I think two games before the end of the season, that's going to be pivotal. Yeah, still plenty of football to be played. Right, um, let's do good week, bad week before we round up the rest of the fixtures. So... Nominations for good week. I have to nominate Torino. We spoke about how good Atalanta were in, in midweek, and I think Atalanta probably came in for some re, uh, very fair criticism for throwing away a three-goal lead uh, against Torino uh, at the weekend. But it has to be said that Torino, before the, the change of manager, would probably have, have thrown in the towel um, that's three games that they've had under Nicola. It's three times they've come from behind to to pick up points. And before, obviously, they were in the, the reverse to that situation where they were leading in games, sometimes by a couple of goals and throwing away in the last 15, 20 minutes uh, leads. Uh, now they're doing the opposite. They're picking up points in adversity. So some real signs of uh, some team spirit and some belief in that squad emerging. Uh, I guess that the point is now that they need to start converting that into the odd uh, the odd victory, really. And David Nicola gave some fantastic quotes after the game. Apparently, he um, he told his team that uh, he fully believed they would come back and that if the ref had added an extra five minutes, they would have gone on to win the game. And he told them that uh, he said something along the lines of, you bastards, next time we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll never be caught again. Yeah, Kenny, you, you make a compelling case for Torino. It, it does feel a bit strange to give a good week to a team that's not won a game of football. Um, <laughs> but, but given their previous form, uh, kind of coming around to your point of view. And I think we also, at this point, have to give uh, an honourable mention to Belotti, who I know we were planning to, but I, I'm looking at our episode notes here and I'm seeing that we haven't actually jotted it down. Belotti, who who went down under a, a challenge of Romero, I believe it was, uh, the referee called for a free kick on the edge of the box, booked, uh, booked Romero, Belotti, knew it wasn't a, a free kick, uh, perhaps influenced by the fact that uh, he was up against the team from Bergamo, which is uh, his his hometown. But he immediately sort of sprung to his feet, waved his finger to say, no, not, not, not a free kick. The free kick went ahead anyway, but they gave the ball back and a nice handshake from Romero as well to acknowledge the, the sportsmanship. So that's an impromptu honourable. And it's worth noting that he did this when they were three 0 down. It's not like the the game was there was time wasting or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Okay, so we've got um, yeah Torino. We'll give them the good week award for the bad week. I mean, it's tempting to just give it to Inter slash Conte. 
given everything we've discussed, but also maybe Napoli. What do you think, Baz? I think the Coppa Italia tie between Napoli and Atalanta probably um, was the the fine balance for this one. Had Atalanta not qualified for the Coppa Italia, which seems to be their main goal to get some silverware, then it probably would have been worse. As things stand, Napoli both lost a game against Genoa and uh, got knocked out of the Coppa Italia. And all in all, the -the off-the-field matters have also not been great. So I think uh, they're a perfect nominee for a bad week. Yeah, having Gattuso's job under pressure and their main man, Ossiman, still not fit. Um, yeah, it's pro- probably fair enough. Let's just see how they get on at the weekend. Hopefully they can bounce back and prove us wrong. All this since they renamed the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the Maradona curse. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what other games do we need to talk about? Um, this weekend, Verona play Parma. Uh, both teams in dire need of the points in that one. Uh, did you have a stat for us there, Baz? Parma have not won any of the last 12 league games, which is their worst run in Serie A ever. And um, Verona have lost their last two league games, which is their worst run, their second worst run under Ivan Juric. Parma in dire straits, and had we not given them a bad week last week, I think they would have got it this week. And uh, Verona have shown some great stuff over the season, so we do expect them to bounce back. Although they haven't been doing that great of uh, of late, really. Slightly disappointed with uh, their their last sort of month or so, really. And Crotone take on Sassuolo, and Sassuolo really having a bit of a shocker at the moment, aren't they, Kenny? Yeah, to keep up that that theme of, <laughs> of disappointment, I don't want to put a downer on the on the episode. Uh, but yeah, Sassuolo have played eight games since the, the turn of the year. They've only won one of them. Uh, they've drawn two and lost the rest. And I guess, I mean, fair enough to lose against Lazio, Juve and Atalanta, but they, they lost against Spezia at the weekend. They've also lost in Coppa Italia against Spal and their draws weren't exactly, you know, uh, games that you would expect them to to be um, losing or particularly challenged considering that we were talking about Sassuolo as a team that could even compete potentially for uh, for Europa League, but they've drawn with Parma and Cagliari, uh, two teams who are struggling very, very badly. So, yeah, I don't know. I That would be an interesting game because Crotone are right down there. Sassuolo aren't on form. Maybe an opportunity for Sassuolo to bounce back, to put a positive spin on it. Yeah, okay. Um, and tomorrow night, the Friday night game is uh, Bologna-Benevento. Uh, won't be watching that one, I have to admit. Uh, and then Sampdoria take on Fiorentina which would usually be a bit of a glamour tie but they're both having quite disappointing seasons 10th and 15th respectively Roma take on Udinese uh, sort of a must win for Roma coming off the back of that defeat to uh, Juventus did you have something from the Udinese perspective Buzz? Yeah Udinese have not conceded in uh, three games and uh, should they not concede one in one more game, that will be their best run since 2012. It has to be said that uh, pod hero Edin Zeko um, has not contributed in a goal in any of the last four Serie A, any of his last four Serie A appearances. This is his worst streak since 2019, and uh, Roma really need him back, and they, they need him ticking. Uh, and just to complete the round. Torino face Genoa next up. Both teams kind of on the up. Should be an interesting one. Uh, but just to go back to Spezia, it's uh, as we've been recording, it's been announced that Spezia has a new owner. 
Um, so American investor Robert Platek, who is a partner of MSD Capital, an investment firm that manages the, the wealth of Michael Dell, of Dell Computers, has completed a buyout for an undisclosed fee. Yeah, interesting. I, I think Spezia are now the sixth Serie A club to, to have an American investor. Uh, what do we make of this one, Burrs? It's an interesting one or a curious one, more to the point. Um, Spezia are definitely not one of the most uh, fancied clubs in Italy. As we mentioned in uh, one of our first episodes, this is their maiden journey in Serie A. And uh, overall, the, their history isn't littered with victories. And also they're in the shadow of their um, larger neighbors in Genoa, i.e. Sampdoria and Genoa. And also their, their stadium is uh, kind of small. Having said that, um, this continues to show uh, interest, international interest in Serie A, and it shows that the league is improving, and hopefully they'll they'll take the club in the right direction. It's all because of those uh, Conte Conte outbursts and uh, <laughs> Lukaku Ibra fights. I it's all it it's top. all because we started the, this podcast. I mean, I think I speak for everyone on the pod when I say that. I hope Robert Platek takes Carl Krause's approach to social media. <laughs> and, yes, uh, please. We'll be tweeting us directly in the future. No, okay. Well, on that point, actually, were we going to give Carl Krause an honourable mention for his social media contribution? I think probably put him to the top of the leaderboard if we do. He's not the top of the dishonourable, but I think it will take him very close to the top of the honourables. Okay. Kyle Krauss tweeted that, that they made the, that Parma made their sixth and final signing. I understand what he means. It's in this transfer window, but it just sounded all it sounded very <laughs> final. And, you know, don't worry, you'll be able to sign more players like soon. It's all good. Um, yeah, but on the topic of uh, Serie A drama, um, we've got another fight for a dishonorable mention. Um, <laughs> Kenny, was this was this yours? <laughs> Yeah, so this is the this is the story that uh, Udinese's vice president Stefano Campoccia and uh, Genoa's president Enrico Preziosi apparently actually ended up in a bit of uh, fisticuffs after the the latest uh, meeting of the Serie A representatives or the Lega Serie A assembly. Um, apparently, so they were meeting to discuss the new deal for broadcast rights. Uh, and apparently, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure why why they they did so, but apparently over lunch the two got quite heated and it descended into a physical clash because of I think it was I've got written down in my notes because of a request from Preziosi to clarify an issue related to investment funds. So <laughs> God knows what that means, but uh, I think definitely worthy of a dishonorable. It's said in the press that. That that was not an item that was on the agenda. <laughs> uh, you anyway. have no authority here. <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. Very good. And it's slightly uh, tangential, but um, it's worth noting that uh, when Italy, when the CIA was negotiating the TV rights with these various companies, the people they put at the forefront of their negotiations were De Laurentiis from Napoli and uh, Ferrero from Sampdoria, and another crackpot president, I can't remember who right now, but someone else who was like, complete, ah, Lotito from, from Lazio, and these three guys were in charge of getting the best deal, so I'm really not surprised that the, the, TV, the reported <laughs> deal is so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, and on the topic of uh, social media, 
Baz, you've got you've got a honourable mention for Demiral. We've already complimented his defending, but what's he been up to on social media? So Demiral had a fantastic game and he's having a great season, but his social media output is particularly stellar. Um, after every game, I, I'm I guess this is kind of lost in translation somewhere, but he's very monosyllabic and it's all like Juve top, Ronaldo score top, I also top top, <laughs> everything is top. <laughs> And it's every game this happens. It's like you were top. We Demiral top. It's become a meme in Italy. A lot of people are when they report when they comment on stuff on social media. They are like, I would be like, Boz top, Kenny top, Scudetto top, <laughs> ZZ top. Um, <laughs> speaking of things that I don't understand, what is this next honorable mention for the Pessinator? Someone in our um, WhatsApp group. Uh, dubbed Mattia Pessina the Pessinator. It was me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned it a bit earlier. But uh, he had a stellar game against Napoli in the Coppa Italia, and um, overall, he's having an incredible season. And he's part of the reason that Papu Gomez's l- l- loss isn't felt as much. And uh, maybe we can add him to that list of uh, players that Milan let go a little bit too soon, along with Locatelli. Yeah, I think Gasperini actually mentioned this in the post-match press conference as well um, when he was asked about Gomez and he was like, um, do we miss Gomez? Well, when you've got a guy like Piscina around, dot, dot, dot. Uh, yeah, and w- we've got a couple more honourables for good goals, I think, haven't we, Kenny? Uh, yeah, because that's that's mainly what my honourables seem to, seem to be about. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Barella and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for uh, their their goals at the the weekend. Just incredible technique. Uh, check them out on YouTube. Barella's almost Beckham-esque uh, from well outside the area. Just side-footed. The power that he gets behind it, the cur- the swerve he gets on the ball, incredible. Cristiano Ronaldo for controlling with his right foot and then slotting the ball away with his left foot almost without touching the ground. Uh, incredible. Uh, and while we're on the subject of go- of uh, goals, uh, honourable for Pandev, who is evergreen, scored two goals, which maybe weren't as uh, spectacular uh, as those two goals that I've just mentioned. Uh, but just uh, think the fact that he's still going um, as as he is at the age of thirty seven is incredible uh, and very very funny um, sort of side story to this. Ballardini was asked. Um, I think it was after the game, or uh, yeah, it must have been after the game. He was asked about Pandev's plans to to retire after the Euros this summer, and he basically said, "If if he retires, I'll beat him up." And he's scared of me, so uh, <laughs> here you go. Uh, yeah, so an honourable for Pandev as well. Nice one. And if most of your uh, honourables are about goals, most of Baz's are about social media, and uh, this is a dishonourable for Inter's social media. I think Inter's Twitter operator, probably. Yeah, I mean, I first of all, I'd have to say, I this is not because I support Milan. I I would I would give this a dishonorable wh- whomever the club was. I guess in an attempt to suck up to people who are searching the Super Bowl hashtag, Inter uploaded a video of the Ericsson free kick against Milan in the derby with uh, all the players having American football helmets on, and it makes no sense to me and i believe the ball was an american football as well for some reason i mean it looked like 1998 super nintendo graphics and (laughs) (laughs) i just didn't understand the point 
And but everyone, people were lapping it up on the comments. So what do I know? People, were, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to give an honourable to Anton Rebic. I think I might have given him this exact honourable before, but I just love how hard he kicks the ball every time he shoots. It's just absolutely unnecessary. The first time I ever saw Rebic take a shot was in the 2018 World Cup. He smashed the absolute shit out of it. Nearly broke the net against Russia, and this this time it was in the Crotone game. He was about probably seven yards out. Keepers on the other side of the goal. He just needed to pass it into the net, Love and it. he just kicked it incredibly hard. So uh, well done. I enjoy that, Anton Rovic. Keep it up. Um, but I think you wanted to give an honourable from this game as well. I think it's a good. Uh, this is a good segue because uh, Rovic got uh, two goals in the, that game and as did Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who reached his 500th career goal. And um, of the active players, he's only behind Messi and uh, Ronaldo, of course. Zlatan could become the first player since 2000 to find a net against 80 different teams in the top five European leagues. And also Spezia would become, if he were to score against Spezia, they would become his 99th different opponent that he's scored against. It's also worth noting that if he gets to 15 goals, and he's on 14 right now, He'd become the oldest player in Serie A to ever achieve this. Fair enough. He's had a lot of honorables, but um, I guess getting to 500 career goals is fair enough. He can have another one. And this kind of links to uh, two episodes ago when he was trolling uh, Zapata, saying that he has more goals than Zapata has appearances. And obviously he does because Zapata has about 380 appearances. But this goes back to show that Zlatan actually looks up these stats before he goes down on the pitch. He's like a trash-talking <laughs> expert. <laughs> very good um and on the uh on the topic of trash talking experts buzz you were once again <laughs> moonlighting for milan obsession this week i haven't actually listened to the episode yet i have to admit but i will do and uh, the last one was very good so if you're interested in that sort of thing please do check it out uh an, an honorable me- mention actually for milan obsession which has been going now eight years hasn't it yeah, it's a good segue from Zlatan because uh, Zlatan seems to be eternal and uh, to have a podcast for eight years is quite an achievement. So I, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Elaine at uh, Milan Obsession and uh, long may she continue with this pretty awesome site. And her knowledge is crazy because she knows stuff about Milan that I don't know anyone else who does. Yeah, and as someone who isn't a Milan fan, I would back that up. Uh, yeah, uh, I've become a- aware of the the podcast recently. I don't go and seek out Milan uh, podcasts, but this is how we had one of our players, one of our squad members out on loan. Uh, I have done, and yes, a great great podcast for any Milan fan. Absolutely recommend to to go and, to go and check it out. Good stuff. Well, that is all we've got time for this week. Please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.